Hello Crosspoint, this is Robert Ward. It's April 29th and this week's Wednesday Word comes from Philippians 3 verses 12 through 21. Philippians is well known for Paul's frequent references to joy, which is particularly striking given the difficult trials and suffering that he faced and was facing at the time that he wrote this letter. If you look at chapter 3, starting in verse 8, Paul says, For Christ's sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, if we could summarize Paul's pursuit, his life's ambition, as he describes it here, we'd say the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul, of course, was well acquainted with all the ways a person could seek their own righteousness. But here we see the futility of self-righteousness as it is compared to the righteousness so powerfully completed by Christ. Paul further elaborates that this righteousness consists in knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection, even sharing in his sufferings, that he might attain the resurrection himself. Now, I want you to see two things. One, everything hinges on the power of Christ's resurrection. The foundation of Paul's righteousness is a historic event in which the Savior of the world defeated death and hell himself for all who would trust in him. And two, the righteousness of faith is not only confident in the finished work of Christ, but also eagerly anticipates its full revelation experienced in resurrection life for all of his people. This is important because, as we'll see in verses 12 through 21, Paul isn't there yet, and he knows it. So let's read Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Not that I have already a obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now, in the past, Paul's awareness of just how short he falls would have been devastating, but here it's an excuse to exercise hope in Christ. Look at verse 12 again. He says, I haven't made it yet. But isn't Christ's work finished, Paul? 
Isn't that what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. What else is there to do, Paul? Stop your striving. Let go and let God. To the contrary, Paul says, I press on. What? Yes, I want to make it my own. I want to fully experience gospel invigorated resurrection life. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. In other words, I want what's mine. And if I am Christ's, then I have access to his resurrection. And so this then is the foundation of our sanctification and holiness, that Christ has made us his own. And so, like Paul, we press on toward the upward call of God. Like gold, we delight in refining because we trust with confidence that the end result will, in fact, be our greatest good. And this is why Paul can likewise say in verse 16 that we should hold true to what we have attained. Christ has done it. So press on and pursue it. Pursue righteousness because it is yours. This is theology of a kingdom that is both now and not yet. Inaugurated with the coming of Christ but fully realized when he returns. It's no wonder then that Paul reframes his point in terms of citizenship. If this is the case, that Christ's resurrection is both true and effective and awaits its fulfillment in us, then we ought to live accordingly as we seek righteousness by faith. Everyone's a citizen of somewhere. For enemies of the cross, Paul says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Ah, but our citizenship is in heaven. Right now, this is our position in the world. We are citizens of God's kingdom above all else. And Paul says, from it, we await a savior who will transform us. So we wait with hope, and that hope spurs us on to the righteousness that comes by faith as we entrust ourselves to our only hope, our only Savior, the anointed King of the universe, Jesus. If you're like me, there are a lot of things you miss right now. Uh, Sunday lunches with my family, shopping for groceries without looking over my shoulder, uh, baseball, especially gathering together as a church family. There's plenty that we eagerly anticipate. But strangely, that's what makes times like this bearable, even productive. Knowing what surely awaits us one day helps us to persevere through difficulty today. And there is no more sure bet than the gospel. Because Jesus definitely died and definitely rose again. You will definitely have life in his name, justification from sin, and righteousness by faith in him. So let's act accordingly.